0: Hi everybody, welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host Lindsay, thank you so much for being here today. Today you're listening to episode 96 and I'm talking with Jenna Powers. Jenna discovered running at the age of 29 when she was going through a divorce and she started running 5Ks in different races almost every single weekend. She didn't run her first marathon until she was 37 when she realized that was something she really wanted to do. And since then, she has run several. And not only has she run several marathons, she has also completed several ultra races as well, including a 100-miler and a 100K, which she tells us all about this crazy 100K experience she goes through in the episode. She actually makes you feel like you're out there with her. It's pretty intense and pretty impressive. I can't say that I would have had the willpower that Jenna had that day. Jenna also works for Amazon. She has a pretty high powered intense position over there. So we talk about um, how she balances and she wouldn't even call it balancing as you will hear in the episode, she would call it harmonizing. Um, How she gets everything done and, and and fits all the things that she wants to do in while prioritizing her job because career has always been very important to her. Jenna also has a really cool opportunity for people listening or people listening to nominate somebody with the company Run the Edge, and we will talk about that in this episode where you'll get more information. Before we get started talking with Jenna, I would like to thank Generation You Can for supporting this podcast. If you've been listening for a while, you know that I'm a big fan of Generation You Can and I think it is just such a quality product for training. Um, Generation UCAN is powered by a super starch. And that super starch is the key ingredient that helps you to have long lasting energy with no sugar spikes. And also it's very easy on the stomach. I used it for my training for Monumental. Several of my girlfriends use it and I just can't recommend it enough. You guys can get 15% off your Generation UCAN order if you go to Generation Can slash another and use the promo code another all caps. Thank you, Generation UCAN, for being such a wonderful partner of this podcast. If you guys are loving the show, I would appreciate it if you would leave me a rating and review on iTunes. Thank you so much to everybody who has already taken the time to do that. It means the world to me. I read every single one of them. And I just want to say thank you to the most recent review over here. It's Camille11334566 loving this. I've been going through a running hiatus and this is exactly what I needed to get me through this hump. I listened to this in the car and on runs. I've started from episode one and I've made my way up quickly. Thank you so much for this awesome podcast. Well, thank you, Camille. I really appreciate it. I often say that I'm terrified to go back and listen to those early episodes because I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, It's still a work in progress, but I appreciate everybody who um, has stuck with me from the very beginning and those who do go back and listen to those first episodes and my amazing guests that were willing to come on and be a part of the start of this whole thing. Hey, if you guys are looking for extra content for me, I do have a Patreon page where if you support the podcast uh, monthly, you can get access to bonus episodes where I do episodes with returning guests and also episodes with my husband. And you can check that out if that's something you're interested in. It's patreon.com slash lindseyhine. All right, you guys, let's enjoy this conversation with Jenna. Today on the show, we're talking with Jenna Powers. Welcome to All Have Another, Jenna.
1: Hi, thanks so much, Lindsay. I'm really excited to talk to you today.
0: Yeah, we had a really fun connection, which we'll talk about later. But um, you've done some work with uh, Run the Edge, or you've been a part of their program. And they're actually going to be sponsoring an episode of the podcast here at the end of the year. So they told me all about your story and I actually read about you in women's running. And I had realized that after the fact. Oh
1: fantastic. Yeah, I um uh, the folks at Run the Edge are just amazing and I know you said you're going to well, you, we'll, well we'll go there more later on I'm sure but um they've just been um such a fantastic support of me and of runners really all over the country and all over the world. They've 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 hit on something pretty special.
0: Well yeah, and they touch a lot of runners too. I mean, I couldn't believe that the amount of people that are a part of their program.
1: Yes, yes.
0: So Jenna did you turn forty yet?
1: I did. I turned forty in August.
0: Okay, so, so I'm
1: forty plus now.
0: Forty plus. <laughs> She's officially a master.
1: I, yes, yeah, and I did. I actually did c- celebrate with my with my runner friends, for whom you know something like that is cool that I am in the masters in the masters division. It, it hasn't helped my placement any, but um, <laughs> you know, hopefully, it will <laughs> in, in one of these races soon.
0: So, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Where are you from, Jenna?
1: Um, Well, I'm originally from the East Coast. I'm originally from New Hampshire um, and sort of had moved up and down the East Coast, but I currently live in Seattle. And so I've been in Seattle for about three years.
0: Okay. Tell me about living in Seattle.
1: I love living in Seattle. Um, I know Seattle gets a pretty bad reputation with the weather. Um, Folks that live in Seattle, it's sort of the secret we don't like to tell people, which is, while it's gray a lot, it definitely doesn't rain as much as people think that it rains. Um, And so as a runner, and especially a runner from the Northeast... Um, I can run outside all year round and I never have to worry about ice and snow or anything like that, which is fantastic. And, um, I, I run both road and trail. And so Seattle is a great place to run both road and trail as well. So it's just an awesome city to live in as a runner.
0: That's so great. So you've, been, you've been in Seattle for three years though. You're 40. Where, where were you living, you know, the rest of your adult life?
1: Yeah. So, um, I grew up in New Hampshire, um, Uh, went to undergrad and then law school in New York, Um, moved to Atlanta after law school because I got a job there, Um, and then moved to Boston to be with a guy. Um, Fortunately, we got married, so it seemed, you know, in hindsight, it was a good move. (laughs) Uh, And then my job actually took us from Boston to Seattle. Um, and so, uh, I went from, from one coast to the other coast
0: and you work for Amazon.
1: I do. I were, I, I work for Amazon. So I, I started with Amazon in 2011. So when I was still on the East coast, I started with them. Um, and then they moved me out to, they, they both moved me and promoted me. So it was a a good reason to make a move, um, out, out to Seattle at the, at the corporate headquarters.
0: All right. So I have to we have to dig into your career a little bit. But before we do that, let's talk about your running. You are um, you kind of found running uh, when you were 29 and you had just gone through a divorce. Can you kind of tell us about that time in your life and and how that all began?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so I did find running late in life. and, And to me, it's, I think it's a really important part of me, an important thing that I like to talk to other runners about, especially adult, adult runners, because I feel like, you know, you, you talk to so many runners and I know so many, you know, you have these, you have these amazing friends and and podcast guests who will say, I started running when I was five, or I was on the track team in elementary school, you know, that it, And so I think for for other runners, or at least runners like myself, that is so intimidating to hear because you're like, oh, my God, they've just (laughs) been doing it their whole life. I am not that I am not that person. Um, And I think to sort of crystallize for you and the listeners about when I say, like, I did not grow up a runner Um, I distinctly remember sort of a pivotal moment in my running career, which is, uh, I was in the eighth grade and, uh, there was a school trip to go to climb Mount Washington in New Hampshire. So it's about a 6,000 foot mountain and all of my friends were going like all of the cool kids in the eighth grade were going, but in order to be allowed to go on the trip, you had to be able to run one mile in 12 minutes. And the mile was run inside the gym, doing laps inside the gym. So it was something like 20 laps around the gym or something like that was a mile. And um, our gym teacher said, okay, you know, if you want to go on the trip, we're going to do the mile today. He had us pair up. And have one person, you would have one person count your laps for you. And then you would you would sort of trade off. And I wanted to go on this trip so bad because my friends were all going on this trip. And my friend Stephanie also wanted to go on the trip so badly. And we knew there was no way either of us could run a mile in 12 minutes. It was it was impossible. And so we conspired to cheat and that we would just sort of like fake the lap count for one another so that we could go on this trip. And And we did. And we went on the trip. And so I say that to say when I say came into running, like I was the opposite of a runner growing up. I hated it. I wasn't interested in it. And I wasn't good at it. Um, and it really wasn't until, you know, at the age of 29, I got married very young. I got married at 23. Um, and, and it just it just didn't work out for for a variety of reasons. And uh, I got divorced at 29. And I'm kind of a homebody anyway. Um, I'm not big on sort of going out. I'm a, not a late night person at all. And suddenly there was pressure because I had all these single friends of like, oh, now I have to go out all the time, like Friday night, Saturday night, I have to sort of be out there. And I just really didn't want to. Um, But it's hard and there's a lot of pressure. And I felt like it was hard to tell my friends that. And I didn't want them to think it was because I was depressed or sad or because I really wasn't. I just didn't really want to go out. And so I figured out I was living in Atlanta at the time. And Atlanta has this fantastic um, running community as well that there were. was a 5K pretty much every Saturday morning um, somewhere in Atlanta. And so I just started signing up for them because even I didn't really like running, I, I was fairly fit. I was going to the gym all the time, even though I wasn't running. And I sort of figured out, well, if I sign up for this 5K tomorrow morning, then I can tell everyone I can't go out tonight on Friday night because I have to race in the morning. And then on Saturday, I can tell them that I can't go out tonight because I raced this morning. And so I just started 5K-ing like every weekend. Um, and it was fun and and I enjoyed it. And I liked getting, you know, I liked getting out there and, you know, it was, you know, through the fall and through the winter and the spring and Atlanta is just, you know, a really beautiful time to run. And so I just started doing 5Ks and and that was really my, I think my first entry into the like, this running thing isn't so terrible, Um And maybe once a year, I would do a half marathon, which was like, you know, a huge deal at the time because it was, you know, 13 miles was crazy. Um, But I would, I would do that maybe once or twice a year. And that's really how I, that's how I sort of my first entree into running at the age of 29.
0: But you said you weren't depressed or anything like that. How did you, so was running the the catalyst to get you out of like the post-divorce funk or... What were you doing to get out of that funk prior to that?
1: Yeah, I think it was. I started running very early on, in like post divorce, like like within a couple of months, and and for for me, it was more about. I think I just wanted some time by myself, which was hard. I had I had a wonderful group of friends, and I worked at a great job of which all of my best friends I worked with. So like I, I was with these people <laughs> all day long, um, which was which was great for me. But I, I wanted a little bit of time by myself. And I think perhaps, you know, I was really worried about this idea of like, I don't want people think I'm people to think I'm depressed and sad and that's why I'm sitting home all the time. Cause it's really not why I'm sitting home all the time. I just kind of like sitting home. Um and and the racing thing started as an excuse but then I found I enjoyed it. I found that I liked I, I got faster very quickly, even though it, it was the only running I was doing all week. I, I did three miles a week and that was it on Saturday mornings. But I got faster very, very quickly because I was doing it every week. And then I liked Then I sort of liked the competition with myself to see how fast I could go. And then I found that I sort of saw people every weekends at the race. And that was kind of nice to know people. Um and then I started, you know, I, I had a few age group wins. Um, again, these are sort of, sort of small fields um, at local races. So I had a few age group wins. So that was really fun. Um, and so I think for me, that's what that's what kept me coming back and coming back to it.
0: So fast forward a little bit. I mean, since 2014, you've run 25 marathons, 10 ultras, including a 100-mile race. Uh, but you kind of say that you're def- a defining moment in your life was when you ran your first marathon, which was the Great Wall of China marathon. Can you talk to us about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, definitely. So you know, we had talked about, you know, I'm at the age of twenty nine, I'm starting a five k. That's fun. You know, I would do maybe one half marathon a year, but that was that was kind of that was it for me. And and it really wasn't. And then you know, as as I as I kind of went on with life, I, I actually stopped running. I mean, not all not altogether, but I, I sort of stopped with the five k's. You know. Met met my now husband, you know, started dating, the running thing a little bit, took a backseat. You know, I moved from Atlanta to Boston. Um, and it wasn't until I did not start seriously thinking about running a marathon until really it was 2013. And it was kind of a bucket list item that like, OK, I'm getting now into my late 30s. And, you know, what are the things that I want to be doing that I'm not doing um, or that I, you know, that I have what, what does my bucket list look like? And I don't honestly, I don't have a really big bucket list. Like, like for me, it was more around like, I want to go to this country and I want to, you know, see this kind of this, go to this continent. But, you know, the marathon thing, I think not unlike a lot of people, I thought, that might be kind of cool to say I ran a marathon. And so um, it was a bucket list item. And um, I distinctly remember in 2013. So I was living in Boston. Um, Of course, Boston Marathon is huge everywhere, particularly in the city of Boston. It's on all the local, you know, all the local stations. We can watch the entire thing. And uh, I was watching in 2013. um, And I remember Seeing Shalane and Kara at the start line, like the hometown girls, how are they going to do? And then, of course, that was the year of the bombing, which for me, you know, that was that was my city also, um, and so it impacted me not only as a runner, but you know, as a as a a, a resident of the city of Boston um, was a. Couple- Couple of weeks before my wedding, um, and, and it was just, it, it, it was, it was a, I, I think, a, a sort of very trying time that we all experienced. Um, and then I experienced it as a resident of the city of Boston as well. And it, it solidified for me like, I, I need to run a marathon, um, obviously, is what I need, is what I needed to do. And, um, and so I decided 2014, that was going to be my thing, I was going, that was going to be my goal for the year. I was going to run a marathon, and I chose the Great Wall of China marathon. A lot of people will say. Like, why the heck would you choose <laughs> something like that as your first marathon? Um, it's, it's sort of known as to be one of the hardest marathons in the world. You actually run a total of four point four miles on the wall itself, and so I put the word "run" in quotes because in over that segment of the course, it's five thousand one hundred and sixty-four stairs. Wow! Um, and so it's the race end to end is really more akin to a trail race than it is to a to a road race. Um, it's fifty percent longer in time than the average marathon um in in terms of how long it takes to run it and and i think for me i was so intimidated by the thought of running a marathon um that i chose the great wall of china because i thought this intimidates everyone like i'm intimidated but it's okay if i'm intimidated because everybody's intimidated (laughs) and it takes everybody a really long time to run this race um and so I, uh, I took about four months. Um, started my training in January. Uh, the ra- The race was May seventeenth that year. Um, and, uh, and I just, I, I, I loved the training. Um, I didn't know that I would love it, uh, but I, I just there was no part of it that was tedious to me. Um, I just, I I really liked it. And, and, you know, when you're going from a half marathon to a full marathon, especially in those long runs, every time you do it, you're, you're sort of breaking your own distance record, right? Like, like, oh my gosh, like now, because before that I had run like maybe 13 and a half miles ever. And so then there's the 14 day and there's the 16 day and then there's the 18, oh my God, the 18 day. (laughs) And, um, I, my training plan had me peak at 18. I, I did 18 twice. Um, I had also done stair climbing during my training cause I knew I would have to climb all these stairs. And so there was a parking deck next to my apartment in, in South Boston. And I just did like de- these parking deck repeats worked my way from, you know, a total of 700 stairs to a total of 5,500 stairs. I think I did at peak, um, in one shot. And, um, flew out to, uh, to China with my husband and a group of other Americans to, to run the, run the great wall marathon. And, um, you know, when I came and, and I, and I hurt like, like, I, you know, I, I, I remember it very fondly now, right? Like everything sure. was beautiful and, and whatnot. I actually had in that race, um, I actually had a 45 minute mile. One of the miles I ran was 45 minutes. Cause I literally sat down on the wall
0: wow. and I
1: sat there for what turned out to be 45 45 minutes. To be clear, your, I was not the only one.
0: Do you remember your overall time from the race? Oh yeah, no, I, yeah,
1: I totally do. And again, bear bear in mind, 50% longer than the average marathon, which which is true. Um, I was 6:01:12. Okay,
0: and what's your uh, marathon PR then?
1: 4:08.
0: Okay, so then that puts it into perspective, then.
1: Yeah, and 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 also, I mean, my, my PR now is a 4:08. At the time, so Great Wall was my first marathon. Right. I ran San, I ran San Francisco eight weeks later. And did a 424 in San Francisco okay. eight weeks later. Yeah,
0: so that's so, what really shows you.
1: Yeah, yeah. So when I say it's also more like a trail run, it, it really is. Um, that said, I don't tend to have, I don't think I've ever had another 45-minute mile <laughs> <laughs> um, at a, at any point in time. You you sort of live and you learn. But, but you know, my IT bands were screaming at me by the end of the race. Um, you know, I was in a ton of pain. But, you know, I, I came across the finish line and it was just sort of like, like, this is who I'm meant to be. Like, it was so obvious. Like, oh, like, I didn't know all this time I was a marathoner, but I am. And and I, I stayed in China for about another week vacationing and touring around. I remember I, I my husband and I went on a Yangtze River tour. So we're like in the middle of the Yangtze River um, in China. We're like four or five days post-marathon. And I log on to my phone and sign up for San Francisco from the Yangtze River, like on a <laughs> mobile connection, on my because I was just like, I need to do another one. And I can't possibly wait till I get back to the United States before I sign up for it.
0: <laughs> Did your husband think you were crazy?
1: Well, oh, I didn't tell him at first.
0: <laughs> you <know>, I'm just <laughs> um, like scrolling through social media here. I'm not actually signing up for another marathon. Exactly,
1: exactly. Like he, let me tell you, when he listens to this podcast, I'm sure there's some things that are going to come up that he's going to like, I'm going to hear about later because he didn't know about it. Um, you know, plans for 2018 and stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, no, I don't, I don't think I told him right away. Um, and, and, but he's been, I mean, he's always been super supportive of it. He, it's a little crazy, you know, cause he didn't, you know, he didn't marry a marathoner. Like I like to say, like I was, you know, he did not date a marathoner and he did not marry a marathoner. Um, it's it's sort of something that happened to him afterwards.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, so you ran your first marathon at 37, right?
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: Okay. So tell me how you and your husband met.
1: Oh, our moms introduced us.
0: Oh my gosh, that's adorable.
1: Uh, it's not even, yeah, that's not even a, a joke. I like to say that we have an arranged marriage. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, our moms, um, I grew up in a very small town in New Hampshire, about 6,000 people. And, uh, and I moved away at 18. Um, but after I moved away, his mom and stepdad moved to the town um, and became very close with my parents. So they became very, very good friends and sort of always knew then over the last many decades that they had children that were roughly the same age. But um, I was married before and, you know, he was dating or whatever. And then they realized at one point in time that we were both single at the same time, and so they said we have to introduce them oh. because they're both single. Love it. And um, my mom, yeah, my mom had never met him; his mom had never met me. But uh, but they uh, they introduced us, and um, and uh, yeah, that was uh, that was ten years ago. <laughs> <So> <laughs> now
0: I have to ask: did, did you ever feel like there was a stigma dating post-divorce? Like, oh yeah, I'm divorced. Did you ever get that feeling?
1: Um, that's a great question.
0: I, I
1: don't think so. I think because I got married so young yeah, and then I got divorced at a time when most, most of my friends had never been married. So it was less about, it was less about a stigma of divorce and more about we're all single.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah. So like we were all in, so the fact that I was someone in my early thirties and single was no big deal. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: at all, um, I think what was different for me than I think some of my other friends or some people that I knew is I wasn't necessarily in a big rush to get married again. Yeah. Whereas you know some of my friends in the early thirties were looking at the clock. Oh, totally. And I think when we were dating, there was an assumption. But guys made an assumption that I was also looking at a clock. Um, when really I I wasn't. Um, so I think that was the only thing that's probably a little bit different for me.
0: So does your husband run?
1: He doesn't. People ask that question all the time. Uh, no, he he. my husband is not a runner. Um, my husband is a very avid golfer. So, um, and he's very good at it. Uh, he's a much better golfer than I am runner. So I I like to say it works out perfectly because on Saturday mornings, um, we kiss one another goodbye. And, you know, eight hours later, uh, we meet up for a cocktail. <laughs> and, awesome. um, you know, he gets the golf in. and. He, and he hears not a word from me. I'm not one of those wives who's like, you're going golfing again. You know, I, I say, have a great time. How'd you play? He'd say, how'd you run? How'd you race? How was the race? How'd you play? And, you know, let's have another glass of wine.
0: <laughs> that is perfect. I know my husband is a runner, but we always, I always say, I'm really glad you're not a golfer because golfing's so time consuming, but it's just, you have to choose. Like He, he couldn't do both as uh, avidly as yes. he does, you know? So that's so great. then you both have your own thing that you're really into and focused on, and then you just come back together. What's the cocktail you're usually drinking?
1: Uh, um wine i I never met a glass of red wine I didn't like okay, so you're um, a wine wine drinker. It, I'm a red wine drinker. we're also bit we're also Manhattan drinkers, uh, um, which is i I turn my nose up because I feel like I shouldn't drink as many as I shouldn't love Manhattans as much as I do, but I, but we love Manhattan.
0: okay I should know this but what's in a Manhattan
1: uh in a Manhattan is um we do it we do rye whiskey uh and vermouth and bitters Ooh, okay it's a it's a glass full of alcohol glass full of alcohol
0: (laughs) (laughs) and it's probably very refreshing after a big long run or a big long day on the golf Uh,
1: yes it is it is
0: all right. So, what you described for the in the Great Wall of China marathon sounds very, very difficult and and hard to me. But you've also done a hundred miler. So, of all the all of the challenges that you've taken on, what do you think has been the hardest?
1: Yeah, I think there's probably been two um, races that I would say were the toughest. Um, one I did late last year. right? So I did the Rut fifty k, which is in Montana um at uh Big Sky and then I did the Black, Black Canyon 100k which is about an hour side of Phoenix. I did that one um this February. And I think the reason why the two of those were the toughest were absolutely weather based um mm-hmm. more than anything else. The weather at both of them. So the rut in fact I said was a 50k. The truth of the matter is when I did it um it's been a year ago. September now I did it in 16. Um, they actually had made the decision to cut the course down to 26 miles because it was too dangerous um, at the top of the course. We were we were uh, at high elevations. We were at altitude. Um, it was too dangerous with snow and sleet to actually go up that high. Um, so we had uh, below freezing, around freezing, snow, sleet, wind, rain for the entirety of the course. Um, and then at Black Canyon, although it was in Arizona in February, and as I understood it, the year before it had been in the 90s, um, they had um, also had to change the course. It was still 100K, but uh, it was about 40 degrees and raining sideways for, for the nearly the entirety of the race. Um, and, I actually, and, and I actually finished both with hypothermia. Mm. Um, I was under medical attention after Black Canyon this year uh for about two hours for with hypothermia and hypothemia, which is low blood oxygen. Um I they came very close to taking me by ambulance to the hospital. Um, but luckily I recovered quick enough that they decided I didn't they didn't have to do that, which was awesome. Um and it also makes for a really good story when you don't actually end up in the hospital, but oh, totally. you sort of like, you know, to talk about it it's like, well it's like, yeah, they they said they were gonna take me to the hospital, but you know, <laughs> I didn't actually have to go. Oh, so it makes that. for a good story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah that race especially black canyon was so so black canyon is a western states qualifier um which is i'm i am obsessed with the western states and i want really badly to get in and so i have a so so that was my qualifier and so um if you know if if all goes well i i don't generally have a problem with the qualifiers i can make the time cut off for the qualifier without a problem um but in this particular race i think because of the bad weather i made so it was such a great race for lessons for me. Um, I made so many mistakes um, in this 100k, which, you know, at the time that I ran it, I had run a 100 miler already. So like I had done a further distance than 100k. Um, But uh, the weather was so bad at the beginning. So the first aid station was around mile 7.6. And I had, you know, I had a very conservative estimate for when I thought I was going to make it to the first aid station, because I was again, I was sort of gunning for this qualifying time. And I came into the first aid station 40 minutes behind my conservative estimate and there I mean you it was hard to run because it was so muddy you couldn't walk because it was so muddy the mud was actually sucking the shoes off of your feet um it was miserable and so when I pulled into that first aid station 40 minutes behind already at the beginning of 100k um I got panicked and it, the footing got a little bit better after that. And I just pushed way too hard, too fast. So that by the time I got around the 50 K point, like I was spent, I, I, I was like, I am halfway done with this race. There are hours left to go and I'm done. Like I, I want, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> um, and I actually walked the second 50 K back, um, the entire thing, uh, in the rain and, uh, in the cold. And I was sort of soaked through. I, um, I was so wet and so cold. I stopped drinking because even I had water in a vest, you know, but to even pull the water bottle out of the front of the vest was like too much for me. Cause I was too cold. I didn't want to do that. I had food with me, but I didn't want to open a package of food. I was, I was too cold to do it. Um, Get in hindsight all very, very poor decisions Mm -hmm. (laughs) on, on my part. Um, but, uh. I, I made it, I'm obviously I finished, I finished under the cutoff, but, um, we, we finished and then you went inside into a big gymnasium and I got inside to the gymnasium and I was, again, I'm, I'm a little oblivious at this point. I'm, I'm like, I'm freezing cold, but I'm done and I'm happy that I'm done. And the medical staff actually ran over to me across the gym mm-hmm. and they, and they said to me, they said, you are in distress. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, I just finished the race. I'm, I'm. Just, and they started taking my clothes off me and like taking my, like they started taking everything off of me. And they're like, do you have someone with you? Do you have dry, dry clothes? And my brother was there with me, but he had been waiting outside in the car where he could see the finish line. But the rain was so bad, he actually didn't see me cross. Oh my gosh. So he was still out, still outside waiting for me. Um, and so I texted him and I said, I'm inside. Um and so he he came inside, um, but they put me on a cot under sort of piles of blankets, and they they put an oxygen monitor on my finger. And that's when he said to me, you know, he said your your oxygen levels are very, very low, and if I'm going to put you on oxygen, and if they don't improve in ten minutes, you need to go by ambulance. Um, and so they put me on oxygen, and um, I started to warm up, which was good. And I don't know if you've ever if seen through this. I, I, something that I learned like when you when you're sort of warming up from there you actually start to convulse um so I started to convulse which honestly felt good like that's all I can. I didn't try to stop it because it was sort of like being in one of those pedicure chairs where like your whole body starts to shake it feels really good so it felt good um I'm sure it didn't look good um and and it, it and I I sort of wish I had taken a picture because again it makes a good story at the back end <laughs> um, but it was just this sort of like like in hindsight, I can look back now and be like, "Wow, like that was pretty extreme." Like it didn't feel extreme at the time, um, and it's something that I like. The the biggest lesson, more than more than the like, you shouldn't have gone on so fast. You should have kept eating and drinking. Like more than that, it was the lesson of it was definitely mind over matter for me. Like I knew I was cold. I felt cold. I told myself, "You're not cold," um, and I repeated it to myself. And I was like, "You're not cold. Like you're not shivering." You are warm, you know. Let's just finish this thing out. Um, and and after finishing again, in in hindsight, to have the medical stats to sort of understand the condition I was in in hindsight, I was like, no, actually, I really was pretty darn cold. Like, <laughs> um, but to know that, like, like you can do mind over matter, and especially in ultra marathons, like people go through really tough stuff in ultra marathons, but they get through it. Because I think you, you, you learn to put yourself in a different headspace. Um, and, and it's a decision to be like, this is the headspace I am going to be in right now. Like the headspace I'm going to be in is that I am warm and I'm not cold and I'm finishing the race.
0: I just don't, I can't picture myself willing myself to uh, walk that last uh, 50K in the in that condition. I just, in that, those, that weather, I'm just like, how do you will yourself to do that but it's if it's an out and back, was there any way to like drop at that point
1: i think you you could drop, but you know then somebody's got to come out and get you yeah um so yeah i mean i, I in in theory I, I could i could have dropped um but it was never it it was it was never an option to me like You're, i okay. um
0: yeah your time goal yeah it was never go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it was, well, number one was that it certainly was the time goal was number one. Like I, I, that was definitely a goal that I had in my head, but the time goal aside, because I can pick a different qualifier right at the end of the day, like it it was, it, it, it never, I was out there to finish the race. Like it never occurred to me that there was another choice to be made. And, and I don't know if that's good or bad.
0: <laughs> did they still have the aid stations all set up? Like, I mean, how did they even man that with the weather like that?
1: Yeah, they they did. They did. The aid stations were, were set up. However, they did. So So, my brother had been, you know, following me throughout the day um, uh, at the third, to, second or third class aid station. I forget which one it was. Um, he actually said to me, I'm not going to see you again. They've told us to go home. Um so they told all the spectators get off the course, go back to the go back to the high school. So um while the aid stations were still there, um there the spectators were gone and the you know the crew the crews were gone. Um and my brother said the driving was was pretty bad as well.
0: Jeez, that's crazy. I assumed when I asked that question you were going to say your 100 miler. So that is a crazy yeah. story. <laughs> Did you have good weather for your 100 miler?
1: Oh, it was fantastic! It was fantastic weather at the hundred miler. It was it it actually it rained for about an hour around mile nine or ten, but it was like sixty five degrees, sixty to sixty five. So it was like a comfortable, and then it stopped and um and it and it was fantastic. It was I did the Umstead. 100 miler in North Carolina, which I would highly recommend for anyone considering their first hundred. It's a race that really, um, they really cater to first timers. They really want people, they really want people to finish. um, And so it's a, um, it's a, it's a very first timer friendly course. And it's, so it's not at altitude. Um, There's only about 8,000 feet of gain in the whole course. So, so it's, you know, as far as hundreds go, it's relatively on the flatter side and um, North Carolina in April, as a generalization, the weather's not too hot and not too cold.
0: What was the hardest part of that race?
1: It, it was probably the last, so, so it's a lap race. Um, It's eight eight laps, eight, 12 and a half mile laps. And, um, for me, it was probably the last lap. That last 12 and a half mile lap was definitely, was definitely the toughest. Um, one of the things that they have that's really great there as well is they have volunteer pacers, which as someone who didn't have anyone running with them, my husband was there at the main needs station. So I got to see him every lap, but I was by otherwise by myself. And um, they had just amazing volunteer pacers. And um, I finished that race in 25 hours and 46 minutes. So that last lap took me you know, sort of past the 24 hour mark. Um, And I I definitely I I was tired, like by the last lap, I was like, I was ready for it to be over. And so um, I started to I I won't say I hallucinated, but I started to get very confused in the last lap. So I was really happy to have somebody with me. Um, So that that last lap um, sort of crossed the 6 a.m. mark as well. So right around 6 a.m., we were in this large state park sort of regular runners started to come out for their like Sunday morning run. <laughs> and I was sort of so tired and like confused. All of a sudden there were like people running like, you know, running fresh around me. And I said to my pacer several times, like, how is she not tired? Like look how fast she's running. And and he's like, She's not running the race. Like she just got out here. But despite like, but I kept I, I I kept getting confused about it. Like multiple people at one point I saw a sort of elderly woman who was moving faster than I was at that point. And I was like, How is she moving so fast? He's like, She's not like she's doing half a mile. Like, <laughs> you know, you're on you're on like 97. <laughs> um and so that was I was I was really happy to have somebody with me out there like in the dark when I was uh, I was pretty exhausted at that point.
0: Oh, that's too funny about the the runners out the fresh runners and yeah they're like out for like a five mile jog. <laughs>
1: yes, yeah they just got out of bed. Yeah,
0: they slept all night. Slept yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, that does sound like a really that does sound like a really uh, first timer friendly course with all the the twelve laps so you get to see your people over and over and over again.
1: Yeah, and you get to you get to know people when you're out there too, which is which is pretty fantastic. And you know, the stories are are great and um uh I remember there was a gentleman there that they honored before the race. It was his 100th 100-miler. Oh, which wow. to me was yeah, yeah, it was so amazing just to see him and be near him. I was like, "Wow, like that is so so cool."
0: Yeah, I always feel like there's always those rare breeds of people that accomplish things like that, that you meet in settings like that. There's always somebody who's done this wild and crazy thing at a race like that for sure. Yes. Hey everybody. Before I continue my conversation with Jenna, I want to jump in and thank a couple sponsors who helped make this podcast happen. The first is Casper Mattress. Casper is a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. At Casper, mattresses are perfectly designed for humans engineered to soothe and cradle your natural geometry. You spend one third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfortable. There are three mattress models, the original Casper, the Wave, and the Essential. Casper is not just a mattress company. They offer a wide array of products to ensure an overall better sleep experience. They have affordable prices because Casper cuts out the middleman and sells directly to the consumer. No hassle returns if you're not completely satisfied. Delivered right to your door in a small, how do they do that, sized box. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100 night risk-free sleep on it trial. So if you are in the market for a mattress, head over to casper.com slash haveanother. That's casper.com slash haveanother. And you can get $50 towards your mattress purchase if you use the unique promo code haveanother. Terms and conditions apply. I also want to thank Zappos for supporting this podcast. Zappos has a brand new running site that is amazing. If you guys go to zappos.com slash running, you can find brands like Asics, Adidas, Nike, Lorna Jane, Lucy, all kinds of great stuff. They have shoes, they have apparel, they have socks, they have underwear, everything you need for your running life. And what you probably already know about Zappos is that they have fast and free shipping. It'll show up on your door the next day. Not to mention their customer service is fantastic. If you head over to zappos.com slash running, you can also find training plans for a half marathon and a marathon that I wrote. So check out Zappos for all your running needs. Thank you Casper and thank you Zappos for supporting this podcast. Enjoy the rest of my conversation with Jenna. Jenna, tell us about the 40 bibs or the yeah, the 40 bibs project and you're doing 40 races and supporting 40 other runners. Tell us all about that.
1: Yeah, so the, so the idea to run uh, 40 races for my 40th birthday really came from the fact that I, you know, I try to have these big goals every year, really starting with a few years ago with this goal to run a marathon. And, um, so, so given that I was, you know, I've already run hundred miles, so it's sort of like what's left. Um, and I got this idea to run 40 races and I'm really active in the Run the Edges, Run the Year group, which is um, folks that run um, you know, 2017 and 2017. Um, and I've been doing that really since 2015. And it's just this amazing community of supportive people. And so I put it out to that group and said, I think I'm going to run 40 races next year. Um, and folks were really supportive. But then some folks also talked about, oh, yeah, I did that for my birthday. But I did, you know, 40 acts of volunteerism. And I thought, that's a great idea. Like, this shouldn't be about me. Like, how do I make it about something bigger than myself? And so, because I'm, I am so passionate about racing and I love racing so much, how do I? you know, how do I impart that in other people and give other people that same opportunity? And so I got this idea of I will run 40 races, but I will also pay for 40 other runners to run races of their own. So that's really how it started. And so I set up a blog, 40bibs.com to chronicle my own journey, but then also as a way for runners to contact me. And so I had people contact me from both in and outside of the United States, Um, many with these just really compelling and amazing stories um, about, you know, the races that they wanted to run. And, you know, for many of them, it was a first time at a distance or, you know, getting the courage up to run something they'd never run before. Um, And so I have throughout the year been giving away races to other runners.
0: That's so cool. And, you know, running races in particular is such a kind of upper middle class thing to do, you know, because it is expensive. So have you seen, and I guess my thought and question is how do you find people that might not have the financial means who really want to do, you know, just one race? How are you finding these people?
1: Yeah, I've really been, I put it, I've, I've put it out there and, um, been so supported by, by run the edge and run the year. Um, also by Amazon has been wildly supportive, even on the social media front and sort of helping get the word out there about me that when people contact me, um, I'm really more interested in, I don't ask any questions about financial means, you know, whomever wants to contact me to can contact me. Um, and, and honestly, I think I think what I've seen is a mix of people, um, for some of whom this is a financial thing, because to your point, races are really expensive. Um, and so for some folks, it's a financial thing for, for others. I think it's been about having the courage to go out there and do this. And, and one person that really touched me this year um, was a, a young woman. She happened to be from Seattle, which was just a sort of coincidence. But um, she's always wanted to run a 10K, uh, and she's never run a 10K before. Uh, and she was scared of, you know, can I can I do this? Can I run this distance? And there was a race um, in her neighborhood, um, and it's also someplace very close to where I live and run all the time as well. Um, and it was a 10 K race around the lake. And so she, she picked that race and, um, that was the race that she did. And she sent me a long email after it was over and talked about, you know, she had a goal to run all 6.2 miles without stopping. Um, she had a goal to finish, uh, in an hour. Um, she wound up, she did wind up running the whole thing without stopping. She finished in an hour and two minutes. Um, But what I thought was sort of most touching in the email is she said, I have wanted to do this since I was 14 years old. Um, And and now I think about what else can I do that I didn't know I could do. Um, and it just like, it, it made me, it made me tear up. Like it made me feel sort of so warm inside about this person that like, I can't imagine, you know, wanting to do this since you were 14 years old, like, like to, to finally get the courage. And, and I guess it was this that sort of gave her the, like, I guess I'll, I guess now's the time to go out and. And try it, and you know what else is she doing now, Um, and what other risks risks is she willing to take? And and for me, that is what racing is all about. It's not about winning. It's not about the clock. Um, When I started this project, I thought about like, hey, it's about the finish line, right? Like crossing the finish line, it feels so good, it feels so great. My vision on that has totally changed in the last, you know, almost. 365 days i actually don't think it's about the finish line at all i think the finish line's great like it's nice that's when the metal comes or the beer or whatever and the high fives it's actually about the start line like it the yeah it's hard to finish um i think it's harder to start and it's harder to get the courage to you know click send, you know, on the on the race fee. Or I had another friend who really wanted to do an obstacle course race. She'd never done it before. She was really excited about it. And so she, I caught her. I'm like, what are you doing? And she said, well, I'm posting on Facebook to see if anyone wants to do this obstacle course race with me. I was like, we do not post on Facebook before we have signed up for the race. Like, it doesn't matter who wants to do it with you. If you want to do it, you sign up for it. And then you can see if someone wants to go with you, right? Like this sort of just getting up there, you know, is so, so hard. And so um, I think, you know, if I can help people get the courage or the dollars, you know, whatever it is to get to the start line of something, I think that's what changes your life.
0: Well, and that's so true in all things in life. I mean, it's like, even with, I just think of, you know, big things that I've done in my life. It's like, even with starting this podcast, like, it's not like the podcasting and the conversations I'm having, the conversation I'm having with you. It was like having the willpower and the courage to just launch it in the first place, you know?
1: Yep. I, th- I think that's exactly true. And, and then I think when you get like, f- for me, when when you get the courage and you take the risk to start and you understand what that feels like, and the risk reward, and 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 what have you. I think that that bleeds into other places in your life, and so like that one runner who finally ran the ten k, and she sort of said, "What else can I do?" Um, you know, that's been my experience as well. That you know, if 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 you can take a risk in a place that. Because quite honestly, right, like I am not a professional runner. If I do badly in a race, like it doesn't mean anything. I'm not losing sponsors, you know, nothing like that. And so for most of us, that's the case. Most of us are not professionals and our livelihood does not depend on this. But if we can learn what it feels like to take risks um, in running and racing um, and things like that, then We can take risks in other areas of our lives where probably the reward is – the risk might be bigger, but the reward is even bigger, um, including in the workplace, for example, or with relationships.
0: Okay. So how many more bibs do you have to give out, and what can we do to help with the project?
1: Yes, yeah, so, so I'm really excited to talk about this because it's something kind of new um, and, and different. And This is the first time I'm talking about it. So one of the things that was really important to me was to make this a year-long sort of endeavor. What I didn't want to do is give away 40 bibs in January and be done with it. Um, so I was really intentional about giving away just a few bibs and a few bibs and a few bibs and a few bibs, a few bibs throughout the year. What I did not anticipate in this though, is that as we come into the end of the year in Christmas time, there are much fewer races and or people just are really busy and they don't necessarily want to race as much. So I've gotten in this position now where we're in December, I have given away 27 bibs and I have 13 bibs left to give. And so here's the exciting part. Um, I have partnered with Run the Edge. So we talked about Run the Edge a little bit at the beginning. Um, Run the Edge uh, is uh, Tim Catalano and Adam Goucher, both, um, you know, incredibly accomplished runners in their own right and coacher, coaches and motivational speakers. And they have um, a company and an endeavor called Run the Year. And Run the Year is exactly what it sounds like. Run the Year is a commitment to run 2018 miles in 2018, um, whether it's by yourself or with a team of up to four people. And so I first learned about them when I, I signed up to Run the Year in 2015, which at the time, to set the stage, 2014 was my first marathon. I ran about 1,400 miles that year. So. 2015 to me was nuts. It was absolutely crazy. I couldn't imagine running that far. But not only did I achieve that goal, but the community with Run the Edge is just absolutely amazing and supportive whether you are an ultra marathoner or someone who can qualify for Boston like rolling out of bed hungover or whether your goal is to run a whole aisle without walking um, it is open to everyone and the community is really there we all support one another regardless of what your goals are or what your fitness level is and so I've continued to stay very active with them despite the fact that I know that I can run the year now and it's not really necessarily a big goal and so I reached out to Tim and we said hey like let's do this thing together and so for my last thir- my last 13 bibs are going to go out in the form of scholarships for people who want to run the year but maybe don't have the financial means to do so and run the edge is going to match my bibs as well. So together we're going to give away 26 scholarships between now and the end of the year for people who want to try by themselves or with a team to run the year in 2018.
0: And you're not just getting the program, like you said, you're getting this awesome community of thousands upon thousands of runners who will support you to do it.
1: It is the most supportive community ever and and when i think about sort of i, I can't, i'm for people that like don't necessarily have an online community it sounds a little bit silly right like an online community really like <laughs> <laughs> you know these are not even real people but like no the these are we um the group is amazing we will not only encourage each other online you know encourage each other through every facet of running and walking and Physical activity um, and personal as well. Like you really get to know everybody, and then we oftentimes will try to meet up in person, um, which is great. So, so particularly at any of the big races, there's typically a meetup of folks, and so yeah, you're you're getting you're getting the personal challenge involved in running or walking uh, 2018 miles, but you're getting thousands of people who will support you every step of the way. And also some swag. Like there's some swag involved as well.
0: Okay, so how do people contact you or them to to apply for that one of those scholarships?
1: So I would say that uh, in order to apply for a scholarship, I think folks should log on to Run the Edge, Run the Year. Um, we're in the process right now of putting the scholarship information up online so depending on when this podcast gets posted i'm hoping it will be up by the time the, the podcast gets posted i'm they can also check out my blog 40bibs.com because i will also have um, a link to the sign up information there and folks can nominate someone for a scholarship or they can nominate themselves as well for a scholarship
0: oh okay good idea i'll have to think of someone to nominate well we'll put a link to that in the- show notes as well. Um, Before we get to the end of our podcast questions, I want to ask you a little bit about your career. I mean, because you kind of have mentioned before that as you were kind of like breaking all these barriers in your running world, you were also getting promoted and you actually went from a team, uh, leading a team of 12 to a team of 130 employees um, at Amazon. So kind of talk about how those two things kind of went together.
1: Yeah, I am a huge believer in the intersection between this idea of physical challenge and your success in your career. I, I am super passionate about my career. Um, uh, and and I love working for Amazon. I mentioned before, I've, I've been with Amazon for six years. I've had four different roles in six years on a few different teams, and um, including being, uh, being promoted and kind of all of these big opportunities have come at the same time as I was training for these kind of really big races and whatnot. And I think there's a couple of things around it. One is the a question I get all the time is how do you balance? like how do you how do you balance the running and and the work and I don't think about it as balance so much because I feel like when you think about a balance right like if you put something on one end you have to take something off at the other end in order to make it balance and and I I don't I don't really think about it that way I think about it more in terms of harmony like how do we how do I make all of these pieces work work together and when I started training for the really started with first marathon a few years ago and suddenly i had to, I, because i wanted to do well in this marathon i had to figure out like okay well how do i how do i make that work and i was really vocal about the fact that i was training for this marathon and what i discovered very very quickly is that those around me were incredibly supportive and when i say those around me i'm talking about my bosses um and and you know, the The people that we think about as being in control of our jobs. And what I realized really quickly is that no, no, I'm actually in control. Like, this is not about my boss saying, yes, you can, no, you can't, you have to go to this meeting. No, I actually have, I actually have the control around all of this. And so I found when, you know, perhaps a meeting was scheduled I'm a morning runner, so I run before work and a meeting would be scheduled early in the morning because we had to make sure to accommodate a time zone for someone who was in Europe or something like that. And a meeting would be scheduled early. And I would thought, I thought, oh, gosh, like, do I have to make this choice of go to the meeting and skip my run or, you know, how does how does this work? And I thought, well, you know, how do I again, how do how do I harmonize it? And, you know, does the meeting have to be at this time? Do I have to be at the meeting or can somebody else go into the meeting and fill me in later on? Um, can I dial into the meeting on my phone um, instead of being at the office? And I realized all of these things are possible and I'm in control of all of them. Um, and so that's one way that I really harmonize, you know, these things together. Um, and, and another way that I do it is, you know, the running is really important. To to me so I prioritize it um and and I don't I don't skip runs to do work things um I just I I again I'm really vocal about it with those around me and and I will tell people um actually I I I have to I can't come in at that time I have to come in at this time or what is happens more often than not because I actually love to travel and I travel to race all the time is that I will have already made plans to be on a plane on Friday because I have a race on Saturday or Sunday and something important will come up and and I'll simply just have the conversation hey I'm out on Friday um, I actually have a personal commitment and the answer is oh okay um, and and we make it work and so it's been I, I, I think a lot of people are surprised to hear that, but it's absolutely been my, certainly my experience um, at Amazon. And I would tell anyone who's trying to figure out how do I juggle, you know, marathon training or just getting my run in or ultra marathon training, how do I juggle that with work? um, Is that if if you're vocal about it, um, then you really do have quite a bit of control in, in, in figuring out how to make it work for you.
0: Totally, that's so good. I'm so and I'm so glad that you're leading the way and, and showing other people because, you know, th- that you lead a team of that many people and that you're doing it, you're kind of leading the way with them too, showing them that you can make it work.
1: I do, and i I think it's really, I think it's really, really important. Like, I don't want anyone to think that I'm working 24 hours a day, right? Like, no one, you never want to think your boss is working 24 hours a day, right? right like, <laughs> um, and so, my team is 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 exactly like my, my team is very clear about the fact that there are things that I'm deeply committed to outside of the office. In fact, I pin my bibs to my wall in my office. So it's like the first thing you see when you come in, um, is, is sort of a wall full of, full of race bibs, um, for it is for, for people. Um, and I think it's important because the other thing is, I, you know, I mentioned, I'm really, I'm you know, I, I, I'm really enthusiastic about working for Amazon, you know, I'm really, my career is very important to me, is that being a runner, for me, being an ultra runner and a runner makes me so much better at work. It makes me so much better at work. I think I, um, I'm i I'm able to take risks. I'm able to um, be assertive and determined and gritty um, and kind of all of these things that I think think, particularly as a woman in the workplace, are all really good, are all really good traits to have.
0: Oh, totally. Um, Okay, Jenna, we have to wrap up. I don't want to, but we have to. Um, What's one thing professionally or personally that you haven't done that you'd like to do?
1: Western States.
0: Oh, yeah. We should have known that based on the conversation.
1: Yeah, Western States. I'm I'm 0 for 2 in the lottery. So um, maybe the 218 lottery is my year. So I've got about another year to wait. The lottery was just last weekend. Um, but yeah, Western States.
0: okay. What's an accomplishment you're most proud of?
1: I think
0: that 100k, right?
1: <laughs> I think, yeah, Like the 100k, the 100, 100 miler 100k. Um, I think probably the collective, the collective marathon resume, I think.
0: What is the best most recent book you've read?
1: um I just finished a book called the fact of a body um I can't recall who wrote it well, uh it's we'll it's a yeah it's 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 a dark book it's about um it's it's about death penalty and and murder and um nothing happy and no rainbows <laughs> at all but uh, <laughs> a really fantastic book
0: fair warning <laughs> um yes it- fair fair if you could have coffee or cocktail with anybody, who would it be?
1: Okay, so I, I thought about this. And I, I want to have a slumber party. So oh. not coffee or cocktail. Like I want to have a full-on slumber party. Um, and I want to have – with like lots of music and dancing and wine and Cheetos. And I think I want to sort of get together like a group of sort of powerful women to not talk about sort of powerful things, but to, but to, you know, pajama dance to like, you know, total eclipse of the heart and stuff like that. So I think like, <laughs> this is awesome. yeah, like I think, but I think so like Michelle Obama and Chelsea Clinton and the Bush sisters and, you know, just these kind of women For whom there's a lot going on and a lot of eyes on them, and we're just going to go behind closed doors and and be girls and have like a girls' night.
0: Okay, that is the best answer I've gotten for this question in. (laughs) I'm serious. In like 95 episodes, that is like the best answer to that question. I think it is. So yes, that is (laughs) awesome. I love that you changed it to an entire slumber party.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, because if these people are going to, you know, if I'm going to fake set up a meeting with someone really important, it's not going to be over in an oh,
0: totally. hour.
1: Like, we're going to get it all. We're going to get it all out.
0: And yeah. we're going to eat Cheetos while we do it.
1: And we're going to eat Cheetos. Yeah. Okay. Yes. What's
0: a nonprofit you like to support?
1: Girls on the Run.
0: Mm. Well, that makes sense. Absolutely.
1: Girl. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Girls on the Run.
0: That's great. Um. All right, Jenna. Well, I'm sure you have lots of meetings scheduled and things to do today and runs no your runs probably done because you do that in the morning right
1: i did yes i so i've already run today but i do have yeah there are there are meetings to be had this afternoon
0: (laughs) well i appreciate you taking time out of your day to talk to me and and tell everybody about what you're up to and i'm super excited about the uh the scholarships with run the edge so that'll be really cool to get out there too
1: yeah me too and thank you so much this was so wonderful lindsay
0: yes so fun all right have a great day jenna great thank you bye-bye All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening today. Thank you, Jenna, for coming on the show and sharing your story. You guys can follow Jenna if you go to her website at 40bibs.com. And then I also put the link to nominate someone or nominate yourself to get a scholarship for the Run the Edge program. So check out the show notes, lindsayhine.com, for more information there. Thank you, Generation you Can, Zappos, and Casper Mattress for supporting this podcast. You guys can find me on Instagram, lindsayhine626. You can find me on Twitter, at lindsayhine. And you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with lindsayhine. We also have a group over there where we read a book together once a month, and we just discuss different things about the podcasts and the episodes and just whatever comes up. Um, The book we're reading this month is called Turtles All the Way Down by John Green. Uh, He's a local Indianapolis guy, so I'm hustling hard to get him on the show, but it's not working in my favor just yet. Hey, we have so many great guests lined up here in the next 10 weeks. I busted my butt and recorded so many episodes over the last few weeks, so I'm going to have a bit of a recording break, which is super exciting for me but I have so many great episodes stocked up that I just want to get them all out right now so stay tuned for that all right you guys um have a very merry Christmas happy holidays and have a great weekend and as always I'll see you next Friday